Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Discovering Humanity in Health podcast. Our mission is to shed light upon some of the aspects of healthcare that most future healthcare professionals might not consider, such as racial bias in healthcare, minority inequality, gender disparities, and much more. Today, we have Dr. Ahmed with us. I'm so excited to have you on. So could you just introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Um, I am a pelvic pain physiatrist, uh, osteopathic physician in New York City. Perfect. So my first question for you, and um, I feel like as a woman of color, I kind of have to ask this, is have you ever felt like there were certain obstacles that you had to overcome in your journey to becoming a DO based on the color of your skin or your gender? Or do you know someone who has experienced certain mannerisms just because of their race, their gender, religion, et cetera? And how have you overcome that? Um, I think you know, where I am in New York um, and that mentality that uh, brown people go to medical school um, actually made it normal to be around a lot of brown people all the time. Um, Where I went to school, it was a combined program. Um, And I remember speaking to my guidance counselor and asking him where I should go, what I should do. And he recognized that you know, I said I was interested in medicine and he actually um, directed me to a program near my house based on a previous high school student who went there and she happened to be brown as well. And I feel like where I grew up, that was kind of like here in New York, there's more progressive people and liberal people and we're not necessarily having to deal with the the, um, minority bias, but I would say as a, a female, um, it's definitely harder to have that stepping stone co- as compared to, I feel like my male colleagues. Um, now it's hard to, you know, even, you know, trying to get research opportunities or having places, um, you know, accept you for rotations. I feel like that was maybe a little bit of a struggle, but not so much um, culturally in med school anyway. Um, In high school, that's a different story. I feel like uh, high school was a little bit of a beast. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. I actually live in southeastern Michigan, which is becoming increasingly liberal as well. So The color of my skin is not so much of an issue, but even now as I'm working in research labs and stuff, I see a lot of male professors and researchers and there are shortage of female professors and researchers in STEM. So I really see a lot of that and relate to that. So I noticed that you are a doctor of osteopathy and I feel like that's also really starting to gain a lot of traction among US health professionals. So could you explain what a DO does and how does that differ from a medical doctor or MD? So a doctor of osteopathic medicine is very different in one case. Um, Just so it's not confused, doctor of osteopathy in Europe is very different from a doctor of osteopathic medicine here in the U.S. Um, So whereas in the U.S., it's the same uh, instructional guidance like a medical doctor, an MD, there's an additional course that we take 
called osteopathic manipulation or osteopathic medicine. In that course, we learned how um, how to do actual procedures, not procedures, um, treatments, musculoskeletal treatments on patients um, that are worked on kind of like on the spine. So, you know, being able to identify and palpate restrictions in the, in the body. Um, the biggest philosophy of being a DO is that the body is a unit and your entire body is connected. Um, where that philosophy isn't really mainstay in medical doctor. Um, not that medical doctors don't feel the body is a unit. It's very much ingrained in an osteopathic physician. Doctor of osteopathy in Europe, though, is just that and not the additional medical school. So um, you really hear a doctor of osteopathic medicine is actually a doctor of osteopathic medicine. So it's med school plus some stuff. It's about like 200 or 400 extra hours of class. So it's not like it's easier um, or shorter. It's actually more work. Yeah, I think it's really important to learn some of that stuff just as high schoolers and as undergraduate students as you're considering whether to apply to med school and osteopathic school. I feel like um, a lot of younger kids have this like stereotypical notion that there's only one type of doctor and they kind of um, ignore the rest of the components that go along with them. The next few questions I have are a little bit more political. I just felt that it was appropriate given the day that we are recording this. And as you know, and as many Americans probably know, today is Inauguration Day. For many people, there are a lot of um, different emotions, probably of hope and relief. And I feel like we're kind of on the same political page. So I feel more comfortable asking you some of these questions, but... Um, how do you think that the views of healthcare and science in this country will change as the Biden-Harris administration takes office? I mean, I think it's going to change dramatically from the last four years, um, where we had a previous president who didn't believe the coronavirus existed, a president who, um, you know, took away the pandemic uh, task force, so we were not prepared for this pandemic in any way. Despite um, President Obama, you know, putting a lot of effort into that task force, so um, we have a president. President Biden is way has already implemented um, or put almost put into implement, you know, to put into practice um, a team, a, a cabinet team that believes in science. The majority of his uh, science team is they're all PhDs and professors and they're not necessarily physicians who are I'd hate to say bought but um, you know with the Trump administration we saw a lot of the anti-vaxxer physicians being used to uh, speak against the COVID being a reality and ca calling it a hoax. And there was just so much divisiveness between science and uh, an altered state of reality with that administration that I think um, everything will be much, much better once uh, uh, you know President Biden is, is actually up and running and moving. And, and I think he's already planning on doing stuff today. Like uh, the Paris uh, Climate Accord and rejoining that since that was that that tie was severed with President Trump. So 
there's a lot that's going to happen. And I think it's going to be huge changes. I think the biggest thing is that with the vaccine rollout being so terribly done um, since our previous president was basically checked out for the, for the last few weeks, um, for the entire rollout period, basically he, he was checked out. And I think that will change the, uh, the trajectory of how this pandemic is going to end. If we can have the supply that we need and get everyone vaccinated. And then for those who aren't vaccinating because of fears, I'm hoping that there will be more education put out there. I'm hoping that the governors will go forward and uh, enforce masking and not just quote, enforcing, but not actually penalizing or punishing people who don't mask. Um, so I think there's gonna be a lot of good changes for us to see up ahead. Yeah, I agree. I'm really optimistic for the future. I'm totally ready for this entire thing to be over. So I really hope that this new administration brings a lot of great changes. So seeing that um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day was a few days ago, how do you think that the Black Lives Matter movement brought more awareness to the racial injustices that plague our country? And what do you think that we can do to change some of those injustices in the healthcare industry? I think the Black Lives Movement, or I mean, it's been going on for a while. It's not just this year, but I think you know George Floyd changed it, and I think um, you know it was necessary and it had to be done. And I feel like it's really brought a lot of people to to the point that they recognize the healthcare disparities. Um, so there was a physician resident, uh, a black female physician resident who died of, you know, she was pregnant and she died in childbirth um, during this period. There was also another Dr. Suzanne Moore who also died of COVID um, within the last month or two. Um, so, you know, they're making, making news because at the end of the day, nobody was talking about it before. People were just dying. And now um, changes have to be made. I mean, I see it how the how the vaccine rollout is actually affecting, um, you know, uh, minorities and black people because re realistically, the a lot of the mid level people in hospitals are typically minorities or black folks. And because of that, they are, and they a lot of them are refusing vaccinations because of the uh, education or misinformation that's out there and they feel like they can't trust the health system. Uh, and so that really has to change going forward for healthcare because we have to be able to allow them to trust science as well. Um, and it starts from, you know, ground the bottom. It doesn't start from, you know, the top, you know, from the top, they, you know, and we really need to start getting everyone the appropriate education and the appropriate care. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but I've seen people do really well with COVID in certain areas and then in certain areas do really poorly. And I think, um, you know, it really, it's so, 
crazy to me being in New York City where there's so many huge academic centers and seeing people get monoclonal antibodies for COVID. And then I hear about people just dying in other states because they don't have that availability or they, they didn't know about them or they don't. So the, the education is definitely not equal. And, you know, the poorer the hospital or the poorer the community, the less access to care they have. And so that has to change. Yeah, I completely agree with you, especially on the point that you made about education starting at the starting at a younger level as well. But I guess that kind of um, transgresses into socioeconomic disparities as well. And providing those resources to make curriculum changes uh, just in basic freshman biology classes in high school and starting there and working up. I would say even going from elementary school, because Mm -hmm. what I've seen with my own daughters and what they're taught in school about MLK and about Black Lives and about COVID and everything, because everyone's home now with their kids. So we're seeing more of what they're actually learning. And I feel like when I see people in other states posting what their kids are learning, there's a huge difference. Um, And I think that's kind of scary because there is no, you know, there actually, there are people who are out there trying to change the history books and that's a little worrisome. So um, I think it, it has to start even earlier to get the trust. Yeah, that's a really good point. So my last question for you before we wrap this up is, what do you think needs to be done in our country to ensure that more minority groups and people of lower socioeconomic status gain access to health care? I mean, it's a really tough question because I see so many people struggling to make appointments. I mean, I, I was trying to make appointments for my family members for the vaccination. I can't imagine how people without internet or phones, you know, are making these vaccinations appointments. It's all very related to the socioeconomic status, like we were saying, Um, you know, and, you know, people are, I've been hearing crazy things about vaccines being given out to, you know, rich people or wealthy people and people are flying in for vaccines. Nobody's looking out for the minority groups and in order for things to change is, I mean, it's really, it's a tough question because I don't know, we don't, you know, nobody, there's so many people who want socialized medicine, but at the same time, there's so many that don't. Um, And so unfortunately, because of that, you know, healthcare isn't, healthcare is not equal for all. And as much as um, the Obamacare administration created the health, the Affordable Care Act, um, even that insurance though, that's, as that is insurance, but it's not, doesn't have the best coverage. So patients still struggle. I mean, this, the, the, I'm talking about things beyond um, the vaccine and COVID tests because those should be covered. But I'm talking about procedures like colonoscopies and uh, endoscopies and even MRIs. So a lot of my patients who are who don't have, you know, better insurance, they can't afford it or they feel like they're paying so much for some of these insurances that like they're they're and they're not getting much coverage and they're still having to pay out of pocket. So it's, you know, something has to be done. It's a hard, that's a very tough question to answer. 
Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm not really sure what answer I was expecting, but I think you covered a lot of the problems that many people face throughout the country. But that was my last question for you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. No problem. And that concludes this episode of Discovering Humanity and Health. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out other episodes at www.humanityandhealth.org.